Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. The second half of the NBA season has officially tipped. Are the Suns' big three turning their squad into the most dreaded opponent in the West? Plus, with LeBron's championship window shrinking, who the Lakers are looking to add ahead of the trade deadline to help get him his fifth ring. And tonight in Philly, we have a supersized showdown. Will Wembenyama or Embiid make history in their first ever head-to-head matchup? Rivals Week and NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. I'm Malika Andrews. Happy Monday, everybody. Today, it marks the unofficial start of the second half of the NBA season. Can you believe it? Somehow, the Western Conference, it is even better this season than it was last year, which makes the race at the top incredibly exciting. So the Minnesota Timberwolves, right, they have had a hold on the one seed since before Thanksgiving, but their grasp on that top spot, it is dwindling after a close loss to the second seed at Thunder over the weekend. Plus, the Nuggets knocking off the Boston Celtics in what was quite possibly the game of the year so far. But at times, they might be changing, right? The Clippers, they moved from 11th back in, as recently as in December. They have now skyrocketed up to fourth, and now they're just two and a half games back from that top spot. That's thanks to going a league best 19-4 and four since December 1st. Kawhi and company, they closed out yesterday's game against the Nets on a 22 to nothing run. I mean, what? That's insane. And now they stay even with the defending champs in the loss column. So there is a clear delineation, right, when you look at the top four and then the rest of the conference, right? Less than four games separate those top six teams in the West, which has really opened up the door for the Suns to make some serious moves up the standings. And last night, that push continued for Kevin Durant and company against the Indiana Pacers. No Tyrese Halliburton in this one. Some injury management for him. Chinea Gumake here as well as Kevin Durant goes to the cup. We really saw the Suns' big three, what they could do in the first half here. Booker had 20 points, uh, excuse me, 17. Durant had 20. Bradley Beal had 15. And then going ahead to the third quarter here, Chinea, Kevin Durant just showing off what he can do. Katie put on a show. I mean, they were really great at attacking the paint, but that's his bread and butter right there, the mid-range. Look at this. Behind the back, oh. dribble, lose the defender. Silky smooth jumper. That's why they call him easy money sniper. They also call him 40 ball. He had 40 points on 18 of 25 <laughs> shooting. And then look at this here. Three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, a two-point game. Nice ball movement. Malika, the watch the ball snap, crackle, and pop. It is moving everywhere. This is a difference for their offense. Before, they were trying to figure out how to make it work. They were dribbling a lot. Look at the ball move. Yep. Nine out of ten players who played for the Phoenix Suns had an assist. There has been a shift in how they approach the offensive game, and it's working in their favor. Absolutely. Nice little five out there. More good ball movement. And then Beal just laying it in. The Suns get the win, 117-110. to 110. Booker 
Durant, Beal, they became the first trio in Suns history to score at least 90 points in consecutive games. That's the first time that's happened in franchise history. They've scored exactly 91 in both of them, their two highest scoring games as teammates. And with that, we're going to say hello to a couple of our senior writers, Ramona Shelburne, Brian Windhorst with us as well. So, Brian, let's start with you here. Should the Suns' big three, now that they're figuring things out, should that start to scare the rest of the Western Conference? Yeah, you're definitely keeping an eye on them. Uh, I think, you know, I was spent some time with them at the beginning of this win streak uh, a couple of weeks ago. And being around them, I really sensed uh, a group effort to really try to bring things together now that they were healthy. If you go back and look, they're 8-3 and three since Bradley Beal basically came into the lineup to stay coming off of that ankle injury. And they've been so much more dynamic as an offense since then, not just with the big three. But you look at Grayson Allen, he's been shooting over 50% on threes in that stretch. Yusef Nurkic was putting up some big numbers. And they have some challenges. There's some fourth quarter problems with this team. They're defensively way down from they were a year ago because of the structural differences that they've made. But talking to Frank Vogel, talking to their leadership, talking to their players, I think that there's a real confidence within this team. I don't think it's all or nothing this season. They may not be at their actual best until mm. next year, but you've got to keep an eye on them, and they are surging at this point in the season. You know, Brian, I think we were all at that game where the, the Suns played the Lakers here in Los Angeles on yep. January 11th. Before that game, Kevin Durant went to Devin Booker and said, you know what? Forget about all this trying to run, be the point guard, set everybody else up. Go shoot the ball. Be yourself. Go be free. Go be Devin Booker, okay? So since that, Devin Booker is averaging 31 points a game. He had that 52 points the other night. And he's taking 22 shots a game in these last five games. Before that, he was averaging only 18 shots a game. But in the nine games before that Laker game, Devin took less than 20 shots in those nine games. That's the fewest time, fewest, most consecutive games he took less than 20 shots since his rookie year. Hmm. Okay, Since that Laker game, he's just shooting. And it reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant and Steph Curry when they first got together in Golden State. There was a feeling out process for those two as well, where Steph was being polite, Kevin Durant was being polite. They lost to the Cavs on Christmas, and Steve Kerr had a big conference with Steph Curry. And he basically said, stop. Yeah. Stop trying to be nice. Stop trying to set up Kevin. Yeah. And they all went to work and they won a championship that year. That's what's happened, except this time it was Kevin Durant saying to Devin Booker, go cook. Mm. Yeah, you know, watching this team, I think we're all surprised at how slow they started. Now we know that they finally are getting games with a big three. But I, don't, I wouldn't, I, I'm not in the camp of Wendy saying, like, keep an eye. I definitely think I would be worried about this team. I know that defense is a big issue for them, but in this league, you can play spoiler with offense. And this is one of the best offensive teams we've seen in a short amount of, you know, a sample size in a while. I mean, KD giving you 40, and I know efficient is such a generic word, but like for a shooter to be able to make more shots at an easier clip, the way that he does, it's underrated, yeah. really. D-Book evolving his game to pass more. Bradley Beal, I think he was the key piece because it's like, how do we make this work Mm -hmm. Because his identity has been so far for such a long time in another place. He didn't really have the offseason with these guys like yep. D-Book and KD had. So you finally starting to see, like, they were disgruntled a few weeks ago. Yeah. They finally figured it out, like, less is more, right? Move the ball, make things easier. I would be worried to play against this team because yep. they can string together, as we're seeing in real time, some wins. Now, championship defense has to be there. 
But to be able to play spoiler, win games, and really put yourself in a good position for the playoffs, they're fully capable of that. But, Brian, you just said that it's not necessarily championship or, or bust for this team. And I, I try not to be in that camp of you have to win this year or else. But you and I have both been in Phoenix this year. We have both talked to Matt Ishbia. It certainly sounds like the way that the, the, the governor, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, the way that they are talking is kind of like they need to go and win a championship. And when you look at the new restrictive CBA, yeah. when you factor in the age of Kevin Durant, he's 35, Bradley Beal on the other side of 30, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I agree with you on that. Is there any team facing more pressure than the Suns in the West? Yeah, that's my view as somebody who's been around the league for over 20 years, got a little gray hair coming in. Um, I say that I've seen teams like this before, and it takes like a second transaction mm -hmm. cycle. Matt Ishbia, who's been in the league for less than a year and has been one of the most aggressive owners we've ever seen, he would like to not lose another game from now until mid-June. Right. That's how he operates, and that's how he's driven the franchise to operate. So, yeah, that's my viewpoint on it. That's how they're looking at it. And certainly with three guys, and even Devin Booker has had injury issues over the last couple of years with who are potentially fragile you can't mess around but being a pragmatist and looking at how strong the clippers and nuggets are mm. i don't favor them to win the west but i like this team's chances to do anything this year and i really like their chances when you give james jones and his front office a chance to tweak the roster and you give frank vogel a chance to figure out the lineups when they were in that los angeles two weeks ago guys like, Frank Vogel was still trying to figure out which five players he was going to put mm -hmm. together at different points in the game when they were 40 games into the season. Give him a season and a half before you really judge him, although it's not going to be up to me. You are right, Malika. Listen, they've got a couple of years to figure this out because those guys are under contract for a couple of years. I know it gets expensive. I know they hit the second apron. It becomes much harder to change that team around. But there's one team that has all the pressure this year, and that's the Golden State Warriors. Because if they what? don't do it this whoa, year, whoa, that's not, the Golden State Warriors, Warriors do not prove The Golden they, State Warriors are under the most pressure of any team in the yeah. West. Because than the Clippers? This is a dynastic team. Okay, Kawhi Leonard just signed an extension. They got some time. They got, I mean, like Paul George team, hasn't yet. Paul George hasn't yet. I but, thought it was the Lakers. He's negotiating. Okay, uh, to me, the Golden State Warriors are a dynastic team that is fighting for their survival. They are fighting for their right to stay together, and they they are in. They're not even in the play-in tournament at this point. So to, the Phoenix Suns, everybody's under contract. Ooh. They have some time to play together. But the Warriors, if they don't show something in the next couple of weeks here, let's ask the other Rose sister. I know. By the way, uh, Ramona <laughs> and I players. are definitely matching today. Well, this so is like, the Tar of this is, we, we both went with our Stanford Cardinal colors and then also the same patterns. It, but we did not talk before the, the show. But is it the Warriors? I don't think it's the Warriors. I do think that you have Steph Curry, who to me is like the most important piece. And yeah. his he's capable of playing in his prime. You need to put him, you know, have players around him that can extend his prime. They still got that precious gold right there in gold, oh, Golden State. You see uh, what I did see, right yeah, there? I, do. I feel like it's the Lakers. I mean, LeBron James is 39. Mm. How how much longer are you going to look at LeBron James playing in general? And yep. then also, what are you going to do as a team that has those expectations each and every year? To yep. me, it may not be the Suns with a one-year type of situation going for a championship. The Warriors know that they have a window with Steph. He could be the best player that wins a championship, the right. surrounding pieces. Now LeBron James and the Lakers? Like, how do you want that story to end? And right. I feel like that's really predicated on this year because he has options. Right. Yeah, he does. Brian, what about you? Yeah, I mean, look, Clay Thompson is a free agent. Steve Kerr is a free agent. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how they're going to feel about a $400 million play role at the ownership level after this year. I agree with Ramona. Wow. Uh, and look, nobody's going to sit there and worry about the Warriors. They've got four titles. They won one <laughs> two years ago. If they break apart, 
That's just what history will be written is where it ends. But they are facing the daily pressure heavier than anybody else. Mm. I think one of the things that is good for the Suns is that they are playing much more free, not worried about where their seat is going to be, not yep. worried about their situation yep. day to day, and only worried about themselves. When I talked to Devin Booker about this, he said, we're not even worried about who, we're, who our opponent is. We're focused totally on ourselves right now, and that's a little bit freeing for the Suns. I, you guys are convincing me as I'm hearing you talk, but I, if the Clippers aren't number one, they have to be somewhere in that conversation. Just I know that Kawhi Leonard signed, Paul George no, they're all going to resign. They're, they're, yeah. they're all going to resign. They're going to go into the new arena. Everyone's yeah. going to be nice and Everyone's happy. just going to ride off into the sunset as long as they can <laughs> stay healthy. Well, I mean, the, the Clippers did do just that over the weekend, right? They rode off into the sunset. They had a comeback for Ooh. the ages exactly when they needed it the most. Is L.A. showing enough to make our experts believe that they could come out of the West? I'm getting there. Is it time, Janae? Is it time? <laughs> and how much pressure is LeBron James putting on the Lakers front office to act now. Whoa, Ramona Windy, they have more on the latest in Lakerland. Plus, as great as Jalen Brunson has been, and the Knicks, maybe they still need some help. One championship player says he wants to come to the Big Apple. Who that is and why he just might be the missing piece. More NBA Today coming up. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. We are under 17 days away from the trade deadline, meaning teams have just two weeks to make decisions to upgrade their rosters in an attempt to get ready to make a championship push. And with that, we welcome in our senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski, and our front office insider, Bobby Marks, as well. Brian Windhorst back with us. Gentlemen, this summer, I mean, there was an arms race in the Eastern Conference between the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks. And when you look at the odds to win the conference, those two teams are far and away the favorites. And you can see followed by the six the Heat, the Knicks. So let's just dive into that secondary grouping of teams in the East here. Well, what's the Sixers' mindset as they try to surround Joel Embiid with a roster that can get them to the conference finals for his uh, first time ever? And Malika, uh, Daryl Morey, the uh, Philadelphia president, he is always big game hunting. He always wants to be involved in big trades. There may not really be any of those out there for him. But he does have the assets in Philadelphia, largely from the James Harden trade to the Clippers, uh, to be active if those kinds of players become available. But I think like a lot of a few of the other contenders in the East, including the Knicks, it may be role players, mm. shooting, playmaking, another backup big. Okay. What Philadelphia has going for it 
is the chance to get into the summer and have maybe as much as 50, 60 million dollars in cap space, uh, very likely enough uh, for a max player. So they want to get, they may, their best case may be getting past the trade deadline okay. uh, and keeping their assets in place. But I think you'll see them do something around the edges. So as you as we look at those players around the edges for now and potentially that, that big game hunting for next summer, Bobby, can you see what are, what are some names that Philly might be going after here? Yeah, I mean, Woj hit right on the head. I think you have to look at players that either are on expiring contracts or have a team or non-guaranteed uh, option for next year. And players like uh, Miles Bridges, who's in Charlotte, who's on an expiring contract. Boyan Bogdanovic in Detroit. Bruce Brown in Toronto, who can be traded once again. They've got six second-round picks. They've got three first-round picks. I think you want to preserve those to the offseason. And you've got 12 players on expiring contracts, so you have a little bit of everything. I think it's important. Once we get to the night of the draft, those three number ones now increase to five. So you've got five first, $55 million in cap space. So trim around the edges right mm. now, preserve your flexibility, and then go into the offseason. Okay, so that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Next up, we have the Miami Heat. I'm going to start with you on this one, Brian. What do you think the last three games this skid has highlighted that this team needs? Yeah, so as you remember, over the summer, they were really in the point guard market, first going for Damian Lillard right. and then Drew Holiday after that. They weren't able to get something done. Eric Spolstra over the weekend moved Kyle Lowry from the starting lineup to the bench, and that was an interesting move and certainly one to keep an eye on. You know, Kyle Lowry has an expiring contract of over $30 million. He would be a prime candidate to be moved if the Heat decided to re-enter the point guard market. Uh, obviously, anybody in the NBA right now who needs a guard has checked in with the Atlanta Hawks on DeJounte Murray. I would add another name in there. That would be Terry Rozier of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, the Hornets have had some discussions about Rozier. Um, you know, with where they're at in their season, he's got a couple of years left on his contract, is having a very good year. Possible option for not only the Heat, but some other teams. Um, and so that was an interesting move with Lowry. And, you know, you know the, the Heat are going to be very mindful of that asset, you know, expiring at the deadline. Now, that expiring contract will have value between now and February 8th. So uh, keep an eye on the Heat as they try to, you know, maybe take steps around the deadline to improve their chances. Mm. Malika, we're going to do a little bit of a math lesson here. How about that? Okay. It used to be easy. It used to be easy back when the old CBA, where Pat Riley can go into Mickey Harrison's office and say, hey, we're going to go more into luxury tax. It's going to cost us another $25 million. What these new rules are doing right now, and we can show where a player like Terry Rozier earns $25 million next year, Miami's salary is at 159. That second apron is at $190 million. Once you exceed that, you won't be able to go out and aggregate contracts in case, as Pat Riley says, that big whale becomes available. So mm. if you're Miami, you've got a balance trying to win now, but also kind of what the future looks like in the offseason here. And that's going to be the high wire, tight wire act that teams are going to need to walk now that we have this new CBA coming into effect. All right, lastly, though, we cannot forget about the Knicks. They already made that kind of big, splashy move with the acquisition of OG Ananobi. But, whoa, does New York trying to get Jalen Brunson even a little bit more help here? Yeah, scoring help off this Knicks bench. They made their big trade with OG Ananobi. It has paid off for the Knicks. They want to keep themselves in position to do another big one for an all-star, all-NBA-level player that very likely would be in this offseason. That player's not available now, but certainly players like Bruce Brown uh, in Toronto now, Alec Burks, uh, Jordan Clarkson in Utah. The Knicks have the assets. They have the, an expiring contract in Evan Fournier to be able 
uh, to do a trade in the short term for some bench help going into the postseason without compromising themselves on going big game hunting in the offseason. They have a lot of picks, and they have assets that they can use in trades. They can do something here at the deadline and not take themselves out of the bigger thing that they hope comes along for them, uh, probably more so in this offseason or maybe into next year. Absolutely. 17 days away from the NBA trade deadline. Gentlemen, thank you so very much. Coming up, Jokic. He capped off his weekend with another dominant display. I mean, of course, it's Nikola Jokic. But has his perfect passing distracted us from what could be his best trait and the key to a Nuggets title repeat? Plus, This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. Six games on the NBA slate last night, so let's catch you up on what happened, starting in the nation's capital. Nikola Jokic, you put on a show, a season-high 42 points to go along with 12 rebounds, 8 assists, this coming after handing the Celtics their first home loss of the season on Friday night. Janae, do people sleep on Jokic's scoring abilities? Absolutely. He could do this every night. He's fourth in the NBA in assists. He's averaging nine assists a game. If he dropped that to six, he's averaging 30-32, and he'd be in the conversation again, which he already is, for MVP. So, yeah, people sleep on his scoring because his past it's sensational. Yeah. Look at that one. His passing is so magical that that it's, it's almost like, what? All right. Let's we'll go it? from the East Coast to the West Coast. Kawhi and company finished Ooh. the game on a 22-0 run to beat the Nets last night. The 22-0 run, it matched the largest unanswered run by any team to end a game in the last 25 seasons. <laughs> Mr. Windhorst, do you think the Clippers are ready for a championship push? Oh my gosh, this is impressive as the Clippers have looked in the last five years. And I would argue, Malika, that the most relevant thing that's happened in the NBA so far this season is how good Kawhi Leonard looks. Him playing this way makes anything possible. Yeah, I mean, he's been healthy and looking good. All right, from L.A. to H-Town, where the Celtics took care of business. Kristaps Porzingis led all scorers with 32, but is going to be out tonight against Dallas. Ramona, how important is he to this Boston team? He is playing like the unicorn. He was named when he first came into the league by Kevin Durant. 50% on all mid-range this year, 69% on post-ups. Also hit six threes and five blocks. How many players in the league can have six threes and five blocks in the same game? Right, and that is why they call him the unicorn. All right, we're back in L.A. now, where the Lakers, they beat the Blazers last night. LeBron and D'Angelo Russell combined for 62, while A.D. had 14. 14, his 35th double-double of the season. But let's pump the brakes just a little bit, though, because this game was Portland's 10th 20-point loss of the season, the most by any team. you got to take care of the teams in front of you. 
but sometimes Portland makes it a little bit easier than others. The Lakers, they have eight games remaining, though, until the trade deadline. You can see here the last six come as a part of a road trip that includes stops against the Warriors, the Celtics, and the New York Knicks. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the Lakers. Woj is here with us. What's the mindset of L.A. heading into the second half of the season? I mean, listen, they're in a lot the same place as they were last year, knowing they needed to upgrade their talent. Uh, you know, They have a pick available. They have a pick swap available. But I think this is an L.A. team, you know, you go back to the summer, yeah. and they had some confidence that they might be able to sign Bruce Brown in free agency mm -hmm. until Indiana stepped up, offered him the two years, $45 million. They didn't get him. He goes to Indiana. The Lakers tried to see if they could trade for Bruce Brown from the Pacers. Didn't get him. He goes to Toronto as part of the Pascal Siakam deal. And now that Lakers, they're going to continue to be on the phone with Toronto between now and the trade deadline, mm. uh, trying to see if there's a way that they can get Bruce Brown. Uh, listen, he was part of the group that eliminated the Lakers for the playoffs last right. year. You've seen his impact on winning teams in the playoffs. I think certainly that's a player. DeJounte Murray, the Lakers have talked with the Hawks. They'll probably talk again. Atlanta is really trying to live in a world where they can get back more of the package that they gave up for DeJounte Murray, three first-round picks, um, a pick swap, <clears throat> it's going to be very difficult for them right. to get that value back. They don't have to trade him at the trade deadline. He's under contract for a number of years. I think they're trying to find a way to do it. I think for any Laker trade, though, if D'Angelo Russell is going to be in that trade and you're trading for a guard and the salaries just match up, I think D'Angelo Russell having a player option on next year's deal and the expectation that he would exercise that player option if he's not going to be your starting point guard somewhere, yeah. I think in a lot of these situations, either you're going to have to give, I think, some more draft compensation with D'Angelo with Russell, or you're going to have to find a third team that's going to need that to take on his salary. And, and if he, again, if he's not going to be your starter, right. uh, I, I think that makes it a little more difficult for the Lakers to find a match here on a trade. There's some really interesting decisions that the Lakers need to make coming up here. And you mentioned them being in a similar spot now than they were last year, which isn't the end of the world. They're back to 500. They're currently ninth in the Western Conference. But Brian, I think when you thought about retaining the team largely that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, what they were able to do, seeing where they are now, it, it it's hard to not see that as a little bit of a disappointment. So do you think it's time with the trade deadline only 17 days away for the Lakers to start ramping up here or practice a little bit more patience? Yeah, they already did ramp it up. They've already kind of come to the conclusion that they need to do something with the roster if they can find something. You know, it was I don't blame the Lakers for doing this because they did look so good last spring. Now, there was a set of circumstances in the playoffs that assisted them. Um, they also look great in the in-season tournament. And if they watch the team play that way, it's hard for them to, to look at that and say, boy, this doesn't work. But they are going to do what they can. It has helped immensely over the last week and a half that D'Angelo Russell has broken out of his slump yeah. and looked very good. They are a different team when he is so offensively involved. The thing is, is that he, you, it's hard to count on him. He is up and down throughout his career. I think what Woj talks about with Bruce Brown and, De, and DeJounte Murray is important to realize. If they can acquire a player who can play at both ends of the court, offense and defense, and is multi-dimensional, can play multiple different positions, and doesn't have a contract that is potentially burdensome, 
which is like a guy like Zach Levine would have a burdensome contract, then I think the Lakers were going to be in it. And they will try to find that that mix and match. And that is what I expect Rob Palenka has been spending a lot of time recently and will spend these next two weeks doing, trying to find something that will work there. Last year, he was successful in doing it, and he had to do a full team remake. He may not need to do that. He may be able to just do a tweak here and really supercharge the Lakers for the second half of the season. Well, D'Angelo Russell has been playing his best basketball of his career the last five games. I mean, he's when he plays like that, you go, oh, oh that's the number two overall pick once. That's when the Lakers. That's the took offense him there. that the Lakers have been missing. Right. I mean, he is shooting the ball exceptionally well. He's creating. He's engaged. Now, is he playing like he wants to stay, or is he playing so well that maybe there's more interest in him now? Because I think before, as as Woj mentioned, you might have had to incentivize teams to take him at, because of his contract for next year. I think the Lakers clearly need some more speed in the backcourt. They need some more athleticism and size. There's a lot of other teams that could use that. And they are they're not necessarily in the best position to bid on those type of players. But Rob Palenka has been a very active GM since he's taken over in that role. And he's made a move for basically every trade deadline to try to at least improve on the margins. Look, I'm in my feelings with the Lakers. I think it's easy to say patience when they beat the Blazers. But I was starting to panic when I watched them play the Nets. Just because I feel like the Lakers, there's this expectation, which we all know, to win a championship, right? But I feel like LeBron James is in the most pressurized timeline out of anyone in sports right now. He's 39. He knows that the expectation is championship. He knows his team went to the Western Conference Finals last year. But what do they look like today? And I looked at the numbers. At this time last year, uh, there was only one team in the West with a 65, you know, 650 win record, right? 0.650. Now there's four. The rest of the league has gotten so much better. Yeah. But it feels like the Lakers have remained the same or even some terms regressed while LeBron James has averaged 25 and 7 and AD is playing out of his mind and finally they get D'Lo back. So as much as I want to say there's patience, it feels like you're like the expectations are, have shifted and that just puts so much more pressure, maybe not necessarily on the Lakers for moves, yeah. but just pressure on what are we witnessing happening right now for LeBron James because we all want this perfect type of last few years. We all want to see him compete at the highest levels. But it doesn't feel like that's a reality anymore. Not to mention, LeBron has a player option heading into the summer. Now, this is standard for LeBron James' contracts. Yeah. As you know, Brian, we've seen yeah. this him sign these time and time again. Yep. I just want to check in with you on the possibility of if they don't go to the Western Conference Finals, to the NBA Finals, what happens there? I don't know. I think uh, LeBron will just wait and see. I, I, I think he wants to be in L.A. I don't have any doubt about that. He wants to be a Laker. But I think... He has a player option for a reason. It's $50 million. Even though LeBron's made a lot of money in his career, $50 million is nothing to sneeze at. But I think he'd like to see, and primarily because there's Bronny. If Bronny uh, decides to declare for the draft and if he gets drafted, that could influence it. So I, I would be very surprised if you see LeBron make any firm plans about his future until after he sees what happens with Bronny in the draft, if indeed he decides to come out from USC. 17 I, days away. I think this is all about Bronny. I mean, I think next year for the – LeBron has given the Lakers every indication that he wants to be in Los Angeles for a long term. This is the only time he's given himself an out after a year, and it's because his son could potentially dare, declare for the draft. And so it'll be incumbent on the Lakers to make – if he's in the draft, I mean, you can see it already, right? I mean, you can feel draft night already. Yeah, and there's two ways to look at that. Yeah, trying to get him drafted by the Lakers, or is there a situation for a young player – go into a team that is more of a developmental team that develops right. players. The Lakers are not a developmental program. Mm. They're a win-now program. Great point. So what's going to be best for Bronny James, Ooh. what he wants, <laughs> what they want as an organization, 
I don't know if it's as cut and dry as all of it is around the idea of whether he can play with him or not. I, I'm not sure that's all that's at stake here. Maybe it's a factor, but I do think for Bronny James uh, and what will be if he's out this year, the idea of what's the best place for him to. You're so right, Roach, because I feel like that ending, per se, the next few years of LeBron James, if he so chooses his career, that's very sentimental. But I do think that the Lakers are predicated on their success levels, right? So it almost feels like those things are diametrically opposed, right? LeBron, I think it'd be great to be able to play against or play with his son, but is that what is the standard for oh my the gosh. team? What? Oh, my mom stuff is going off. What's best for your son? Oh. Wow, that is. <laughs> you know, but, like, it's, it's we'll interesting because those two things are, like, yeah. different. His DNA is to win and win championships. Yeah. But now you're at you're seeing, like, a, I don't want to say and, sunset because he can keep going. He's averaging 25. And, and this is a wild draft this year. Yeah. It is really, there's not a real clear-cut consensus on much of yeah. anything. And if some other team wants to draft Bronny James, there's no stopping them from drafting Bronny James. Right. Exactly. It's really hard to control that process. Right. There is no, it feels like there's not even a consensus lottery at this point. There right. things are so fluid, right? And so just see whether or now not, next June. see whether or not Bronny is <laughs> where he ends up if he does declare for the draft. But we have a couple of months before we get to that. We only have, have days, weeks until we get to the NBA trade deadline. And that is what the Lakers are up against at this point. Woj, thank you so very much. Speaking of LA, on the 18th anniversary of Kobe's 81 point masterpiece, we're just going to take a little look back, and we're also going to look forward to ask the question, who in today's high-scoring NBA could reach 81 or more? We'll answer on NBA Today. Oh, Ramona Winde, they give us an idea of what could be helping, what help could be on the way for LeBron and Anthony Davis and Rivals Week. It's kicking off in epic fashion tonight with a battle of the bigs, Wemby versus Embiid. Will tonight launch a historic rivalry in the making? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The San Antonio Spurs select Victor Wembanyama. I was born to do things differently. I know I got a lot to show. I'm just freestyling. <laughs> 
tell you, every time I watch Victor Wembanyama, I find myself asking whether or not he's human. And this picture is no exception. It looks straight out of Space Jam. Marvin Bagley's almost seven feet tall. Is that Photoshop? Like, what, what are we talking about? Uh -huh. And by the way, when you put that up against, he also leads all rookies in points, rebounds, and blocks. What? In the entire league. That, that's absolutely insane. Yep. And then tonight he is another big test as he faces off against Joel Embiid. So, Janae, what are you watching in this supersized matchup? Oh, I like that supersized matchup. The league is run by big men these days. But in this matchup, we've got the rookie and the vet. Joel Embiid has 70 pounds on Victor Webanyama. But so far this season, we've seen them both be dominant in different ways. So, no, let's start with the alien, right? Victor Webanyama. He has seven games this season with at least 20 points and five blocks. Already the most by a rookie since fellow Spur, Tim Duncan. So I'll show you how he does it on the floor. That was back in 1997-98. Crazy. All right, he's not afraid of nobody. This is the matchup. Anthony Davis, four-time All-Defensive. This is his 22nd career game. I love the spacing, which means he's able to play one-on-one -on, -one on an island. He's not afraid to go through, what does Perk say, tomato chest? But watch this finish. A full pirouette to a slam dunk, okay? Crazy. Now, we know he's a two-way player as well. Giannis is seven-time All-NBA victor. This is the game after, his 23rd game. He's on defense, in the paint. Giannis is going up. This game was an instant classic, and this right here cemented him as a future star to come, superstar to come. That's Victor Webbingyama. Now, Wemby, he's just starting to polish his game. Meanwhile, he's going up against Joel Embiid, who's already in his prime. I mean, Embiid is the reigning MVP, but somehow he's still improving. He's averaging career highs in points in mid-range points, in assists per game, and I'll show you why that assist number right there that you saw is so important. Joel Embiid is going up here against Rudy Gobert, who's six-time all-defensive. Look at how many people are ready to stop him in the paint because he can go through them. Instead, this is probably the most unguardable play in basketball right now. You can't double from that high, and he shoots right over you. Shoots right over the three-time defensive player of the year. Now, what I love, the assist right here, the two-man game with Tyrese Maxey. The double comes. It's a big double. All right, he kicks it back out. Then he reposts. Why not? This is a triple team with Jokic. I mean, what? So when you commit three players like this, this is why people say Maxi could be an all-star and most improved because they make the offense very simple through his passing. That's why Philly has really increased their ball game. But this matchup, again, 70-pound difference. This guy doesn't run from a fight, but this guy right now is, it's not even a fight. Like, he's right there at the top of the MVP discussion. Yeah, and not to mention Joel Embiid was just named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. So take a look at this. That could be a rivalry soon. This is the game that jumpstarts Rivals Week here in the NBA. Some of the key matchups to look forward to. You can see here there's the great traditional rivalries like the Heat and the Knicks, and then you have star rivalries like Embiid and Jokic, and then geographic rivalries, cross-city rivalries, like we're talking <laughs> about the Lakers and the Clippers. So Brian Winhorst, now that it is Rivals Week, Rivals Week, say that ten times fast, what's the best rivalry right now in your mind in the NBA? It is not a mistake that the Saturday ABC games mm -hmm. begin and we have Jokic and Embiid going up against each other. It's a great job by the NBA to pair them. But I want to see him actually play. Last year we didn't see Embiid played in Denver. When you look at these two guys, not only because they're big and they're talented, but because they both operate so much with the ball, uh, the, their, their ball skills ability is what really sets them apart. Not only their ability to, to have finesse and power, but those ball skills, their teams are desperate to have them do the things that they do. And so to watch them work 
It is a tremendous enjoyment to watch Jokic work. And as Chine was saying, to watch how Embiid has developed his game at the top of the key. It's a joy to watch them play, to have them go up against each other. And I'm hoping in this game they'll defend each other a little more than they did last week. I think it's awesome. I think a finals between them would be amazing. I still think last year, if Philly was somehow able to get one more win against Boston, we might have had it. We might have had a different finals out- outcome in terms of competitiveness. I would love to see these guys go up against each other more than twice a season. And I'm going to fast forward, maybe, maybe, maybe in Paris this summer, Mm. we could see a high-stakes international game with Jokic for Serbia and Joel Embiid, the most prized naturalized citizen in the the NBA right now, (laughs) an American uh, the Team USA is going to need. I mean, it's the Lakers and the Celtics. I mean, it, 17 and 17 NBA title. I mean, this it's the Lakers and the Celtics, and that's on February 1st. I guess it's the tail end of this rivalry week that we're having here. But yep. that's, that was the marquee game on Christmas. It's the marquee game February 1st. Every time these two teams play, it is a completely different atmosphere. It feels like a finals game. Give me the drama that we've seen so far this season. Let's talk about the Bucks and the Pacers. I don't think anyone penciled in yeah. this matchup at the start of the season. Give me a stolen game ball. Give me an IT <laughs> stolen celebration where yeah. we're talking about Dame time, but then it's Tyrese Halliburton, T-Y-M-E. Give me the great performances, the huge finishes, okay. the stakes. And then give me what in the world is going on with the Bucks because the Pacers sort of had your number. So them two playing against each other this year, that was the surprise rival, which I'll try to do a rivalry, rivalry, rivalry. Yeah, you thought rivalry, rivalry. Rivalry, I get it. That's that's I'm in the moment, but like yeah. you're right, I, I, Ramona. Okay. The tale is oldest time, Lakers and Celtics, yeah. but this is the tale of our See, time right now. If we're going old school versus new school, I'm going with the new school individual okay. matchup. Give me Chet Holmgren yeah. versus Victor Wembanyama. Victor Wembanyama is one of the most competitive guys in the NBA right now, and he says that the single worst basketball moment. That he has ever had in his life. Like what? 19 came at the hands of Chet Holmgren. Ooh. That 83 to 81 loss in 2021 in the U19s at wow. Cuba. Yep. At the hands of Chet Holmgren. <laughs> Chet Holmgren goes up to a Lodi, Victor Wembanyama's mom, first time visiting. Brian Windhorst details this in a story he wrote earlier this year. In, in Oklahoma City, and he goes up to introduce himself to Victor's introducing Elodie to, to Chet Holmgren. And Chet goes, oh, I don't know if you remember, we've met before. And Elodie says, oh, yeah, I remember. Ooh, within the family blood. I want that. <laughs> Give me these rookies that aren't all friendly, friendly all the yes. times, the ones that want to come okay. at each other, the most friendly competition. I don't want that. I want that. This <laughs> I, is the like new them. school Chet Holmgren versus Victor Wembanyama, and we're going to see that for years and years to come. But perhaps no one was more competitive than Mamba, Kobe Bean Bryant. And before we bounce on this date in 2006, Kobe Bryant scorched the Toronto Raptors for 81 points in one of the most memorable games in NBA history. We're not leading with NFL Championship Sunday? No. I guess because it's an NBA game where a guy does something that has not been done in 44 years. You got to see it to believe it. Lakers and the Toronto Raptors. Now, last time they met, Kobe Bryant had a seasonal 11 points. Second quarter, Chris Mann backdoor to Kobe, who just yokes it. Now, Kobe leads the league, scoring 34.8 points per game. Lakers, though, down 14 at recess. Second half, Kobe Bryant went off. Uh, command center, this is Kangaroo Boxer requesting permission to fire. Kangaroo Boxer permission granted. Seven of 13 from three land. Late third quarter, Kobe. Have some, another three. This is about to get silly. It's his 13th 40-point game this year. Third quarter, some bunnies with a Baduka dunk. His fifth 
50-point game this season. Time winding down the third. Lamar Odom, wide open Kobe, who rocks the rim. Now fourth quarter. This is just straight silliness. Kobe Bryant, first player since Jordan in 87. Two 60-point games in one season. But earlier this season, he had like 62 and then sat the fourth quarter. On the line with 62, there's Kobe's new career high, 63. Later in the quarter, you know, Lakers owner Jerry Buss said, quote, you're watching and it's like a miracle unfolding in front of your eyes and you can't accept it. Somehow the brain doesn't work. Kobe Bryant, cut it out at 70. Yeah, 70. And later in the quarter, Kobe Bryant, yep, yep. 72 points, new Laker record passing Elgin Baylor, but he's not done. He's just, he's a, come on. Kobe has 74. Kobe would say later, quote, to sit here and say that I grasp what happened tonight, I'd be lying. Kobe Bryant, 79 points, most in a game in NBA history, only second most. Wilt had that 100. There's the free throw that gives him 80, and then the free throw that gives him 81 points. 81. The late, great Stuart Scott. No one does it better. Here's a look at the players who have scored the most points in a game since Kobe's 81. Three players have gone for at least 70. You see Dame Donovan Mitchell last season, Devin Booker. That was back in 2017. So we'll see. Maybe we'll see another 81. That's, that's, book. that, that's books to take. Down. That's books to take. Well, what about this? The conference championships are set in the NFL, so we thought we might make our NBA conference predictions next. I don't know if Book will be in it or not, but our experts, they make their picks, and you're not going to believe who didn't make the cut when NBA Today returns. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. Each game is so precious. It feels a little surreal to have coached 900 victories. Tara Vanderveer joins the 1,000 win club. I want to be a coach that our players want as a coach. I want to be someone that they want to play hard for, that they want to work hard for, and they want to please. Passing Pat Summit, win number 1,099. Win number 1,200. 1,202 career wins ties Mike Krzyzewski for the most in college basketball's history. And now she stands alone at the top. Vanderveer's 1,203 victories passed Coach K for the most in NCAA history, both men's and women's basketball in any division. She's also won three women's NCAA titles, the fourth most by any coach. Congratulations, Coach. I was there last night to see her make history. And on this program here, NBA Today, I talk a lot about Coach Tara, her Tara-isms. You guys have heard me say, some days you're the dog, some days you're the hydrant. That's what happens when a team comes and kicks your butt, right? Um, there are other Tara-isms, like everyone's got an excuse. You know, everyone's got a belly button, like an excuse, something like that. And then my favorite is, you know, the S in Stanford doesn't stand for stupid. Doesn't stand for stupid. That means play the game smart. Yep. And for me, the S in Stanford, when it comes to Stanford women's basketball and the basketball landscape overall, 
It stands for Coach Tara being a savant. She is the best at everything that she does, whether yeah. it comes to preparation. Now mm -hmm. I can probably say, you guys see me repping my Stanford, I can probably say I played for the all-time winningest coach in college basketball. Let's get it. And now she stands alone at the top. Congratulations. It's now time for Setting the Pick, brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. Luca, Kyrie, the Mavs, they welcome Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics to town tonight, although they'll be without Porzingis due to right knee inflammation. Ramona, who you got? I think I'm going to go with the Mavericks. They haven't played since last Wednesday in Los Angeles. Their Friday game was postponed against right. the Warriors. So they've been off all weekend in Boston, second out of the back-to-back, -back, no poor Zingas. Mm. I like the Mavs. All right, that's who Ramona has. Who are you picking? Download the ESPN Bet app to get started. New customers receive $100 in bonus bets once they place their first sportsbook bet with ESPN Bet. And speaking of betting... You would have made some good money at the midway point of the NFL season if you wagered on all four of the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Lions, the Niners making the conference championship. So let's try and do a little bit of the same here. Okay. What will our East and West conference finals matchups be? Ramona, start us off. All right. In the Eastern Conference, I'm yep. going to go with the Boston Celtics. Okay. And right now, right now, based on how they're playing and also with an eye towards the idea that, this, that the Sixers are going to improve at the trade deadline, I'll go with Philly. And in the West, Denver and the Clippers. That's mine. Did you cheat off me, Miss Stanford? Who, who, I mean, all right. Wait, we, we, got the same. we got the same. Brian, what do we have for you? <laughs> I, I, everything Ramona says I agree with exactly, including the Sixers improving. It's not so much about the Bucks; It's about the upward mobility of the Sixers. I got the same four. Boring. No one has the Milwaukee Bucks Or, or, or the Heat. Who are always there. Heat are always in this, the picture. Or the Suns? But what the are we Milwaukee doing? Bucks surprises me a little bit that no one has the Milwaukee Bucks. I'd like Bucks to see them play some defense. We're the same. That's going to do it that. for us today for our <laughs> NBA Today. NFL Live is next. We'll see you tomorrow. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.